Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times allowing ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your hosts, Dave Gurney. I'm here with... Joe Hilliard. And Carlos Cooper. And we are here to drink some beers, talk about some movies, as per usage. Uh, we don't know how to spell usage. Don't ask us. Do not but... get me started. <laughs> this is a rabbit hole. That you do not want to go. To. I've been, I've been working on this. I've been in in the research lab, running all the tests, all the. And just data inconclusive. It's inconclusive. It, I cannot come up with anything There's that if nothing. I showed it to somebody with no context, they would know exactly how to pronounce it. Yeah, it's it's impossible, it's folks. Up, but man. listeners, if you have ideas, let, let us Please. know. Please. <laughs> but before we get too far down any grammatical rabbit holes, let's uh, get some beer in our glasses. This oh, wouldn't week, that be a phonetic rabbit hole? Yeah, this week I do want to offer a mea culpa, a little bit of an apology. Our beer last week, I miss represented or misspoke and said they were a Kansas brewery. Sadly, they were a first-time state for us. They were the state of Connecticut. It was Kent Falls Brewing out of Connecticut. We love that beer. Mm -hmm. We love that brewery. I'm hoping for more, and and please, Kent Falls, don't hold it against us. We we love your stuff. Um, They called us out pretty quick. They did, once we posted that. Rightly so, rightly so. So they corrected me on that one. Um, Thank you, Kent Falls. We do have a way of making up for our slight to Kansas, though, in the second half of the episode. We're going to get some Kansas beer. But right now, we're actually going back to the great state of Pennsylvania. has a special place in my heart right now. I know many others. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Man, for listeners that tuned into last week's episode (laughs) on on release date, it was a much bleaker affair for me personally. Uncertain. Yeah, uh, there was a cloud of uncertainty for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't say bleak. Maybe not as it was represented on the podcast, but within. Uh, you, you, don't I, think, I think, Carlos, you always carry a certain level of bleakness with Ooh. you, so it's just slight, you know, uh, adjustments with you. But yeah, no, you, yeah. you seem less bleak now. So, uh, <laughs> But we're in Pennsylvania. This is our first trip, though, to Evergrain Brewing, I think. Oh, geez. No. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, this is Paradise Awaits. It's their passion fruit sour ale. It is 6.5% alcohol by volume they describe it on the can as being tart tropical and fruity love the the can art we got a a lady laying out on the beach the um, shadows of palm trees on the sand the shoreline it's perfect for our area yeah and uh has somewhat of a tie-in to the film that we're going to talk about maybe possibly if you want to (laughs) really do the uh connection uh acrobatics that are necessary to get from one to the other <laughs> um, but whenever y'all brought up this movie uh, as a possibility Ooh, I this was... is juice i mean i i'm loving <laughs> yeah. i'm loving the nose on this i, Sorry, I was yeah. gonna ask y'all hitting is the passion fruit hitting oh you yeah in the nose, that's yeah. a wallop of passion fruit in my my nostrils you that's had so amazing. much more of a head than we did david it was an aggressive pour i saw it happen. Yeah, yeah i just kind of went straight down i gotta get this in my glass yeah <laughs> my glass <laughs> is so dry uh I was, Carlos, you were saying. No, yeah. I was pretty hyped whenever the uh, this was pitched because on Halloween, uh, on the day that afternoon, I went into the coffee shop that uh, I share a wall with, and um, a friend of mine, Mariah, that works over there, um, asked if I had seen this film. So she literally watched it the first day it was on Netflix. Yeah, October it came out on the 30th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought... 
at first I thought I was like, oh my god, like is there something? Am I like really behind? <laughs> this, Come this, on, my, I, I'm I mean, failing my listeners. Has I, a zeitgeist occurred that I've been unaware of? I was concerned because and because I I never heard of it, and I like at the time I you know I was like, oh yeah, I've never heard of that. What is it? And she told me about it. And then, and then y'all brought it up, and I was like, "Wait, does everybody know about this movie except for me?" Uh, <laughs> but and so I was like, she had spoken very highly of it, um, and was like, "You gotta watch it." And then even on what would that have been, November second, that Monday when I came back and I uh, went to get coffee, and I saw her again. She was like, "Hey, did you watch His House? The movie we're talking about is His House." Right, uh, right, right. And um, and I was like, "No, I, I, I haven't. We had a, a nightmare on Elm Street." hold to fill we mm. had to watch dream warriors which we talked about last week and then and, and i told her and i was like yeah and i had to watch on sunday two movies for the podcast we're recording today haven't gotten around to it but i want to and then i think it was the next day y'all were like okay we should maybe think about talking about this so i was very glad to get it into my viewing schedule well good um because after she mentioned it and then y'all mentioned it and then i heard about it again and i was like okay the fuck is going on here? You know, <laughs> this is a movie the universe wants me to see. Well, let's give credit where credit was due. David suggested the movie. Uh, well, so tell well us, I was one of three there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, in our pitch meeting. Yeah, our, our very elaborate pitch meetings that we have weekly. Um, you were excited about this one. I was enough once I knew what it was. I mean, it was something where I was looking at what was going to be coming on to streaming platforms this month. And it was one of the titles that I just read the little synopsis, and it sounded intriguing. And then sure enough, I saw it had played at Sundance. It had done well, been well-received there, got picked up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, that was like, all the pieces are in place. This is a serious um, indie film. And we're back that, to horror pretty quickly after well, October. Was, we're already it, there. If anything, that gave me pause. But I felt like this was going in a, in a complex enough direction that I wanted to see if it could pull it off. You know, that, that something a little more than just your typical horror film. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let me, I, I guess I should synopsize. So yeah, I, yeah, I totally, I, mean, I threw well. it to you. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think I could pull it You're really excited about this one. The title of His House. Um, it is it is a film largely based in a house as a, as a location. In some ways, it's a haunted house film. We have a couple that has come from Sudan, mm-hmm. am I, um, attempting to become, well, they're asylum seekers, right? They're refugees. They get to the UK and they're kind of held in a cell for a while. But as the film begins, after a little bit of pre-story, um, it's them getting a house that they stay in while they await their government hearing. Um, you know, a government-assigned housing. Right. It's a government-assigned housing. They're restricted on what they can do there. They're told when they enter they can't bring visitors. They can't da 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 But it is their domicile. It's where they're going to be. So it, it starts out as kind of a haunted house film where these things start happening, strange occurrences, ghostly figures, all this kind of stuff. But eventually we realize that the ghosts have a much more clear origin and it's much more related to their story as uh, immigrants, their story as as fleeing one country, trying to become, uh, getting asylum in another. Yeah. And that and that's really where this hybrid between horror and social issue and, and whatever else we want to say, the kind of psychological thriller gets intertwined. So I think that sets it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. And, and when my friend Mariah had initially brought it up to me, uh, you know, she... She didn't give me the full synopsis that you just did, but was like, oh, yeah, you should watch it. It's, you know, this, and it's cool because it's like, you know, it's a 
almost it's like a like a ghost possession kind of movie but from another culture's perspective which had me interested in it like from you know from the get-go because we see a ton of like exorcist fetish movies like demonic possession or you know other common western anglo-saxon kind sure. of uh yeah. cultural devices or whatever mm-hmm. but to get you know well atlantics yeah that uh to, the to, zombie notion from a completely different point from a, of view. yeah completely different yeah. point of view and it's so, hauntingly and, interesting and yeah and so to have that again and you know have it come from another uh cultural perspective not only makes it a little fresher and less like eye roll of like okay another fucking demon possession not that that's what that's this is but you know we see so much of that stuff from an american point of view that we kind of get it we know what the fuck's going on but th- this <laughs> this was like a very fresh haunted house movie uh it's a strange thing <laughs> to say in 2020 i suppose um but yeah i i, I don't know if one of y'all thinks you have a good starting place. Well, we just say, you know, the demons in the house mm-hmm. are were to be led. The demons that they brought with them to the house in their desperate flee yeah. from yeah. the Sudan. Right. And we flash back later in the film, spoilers, that what we believe to be true is not true when right. it comes to the yes. identity of their daughter. Right. They've, would, what we know at the beginning of the film is that they've supposedly lost a daughter. And, there, and yes. nothing is told to us that would make us There's question. There's a flash of a, of a boat in a storm right. that we're to maybe believe there was a tragedy. Right, right. There's some yeah. people in the water, and then mm-hmm. we cut to them present day. or you know, and So it's obviously this flashback, this whatever, this image plaguing the people. But we're led to believe it's their daughter. Mm-hmm. And as the film hits that point that Joe's talking about, it's revealed through this in their desperate, strange combination yeah. of flashback, and it seems like she actually does travel back in time. Mm-hmm. Or, or has a f- complete fantasy in her yeah. mind. Um, which I thought was cool. I thought that was interesting, how that how they pulled that the off. The flashback's not quite a flashback. I mean, there's enough to talk about, about its delivery, right, that right. it didn't make it very interesting. Yeah. But there we see that they, in fact, essentially kidnap this girl, b- in order to get access to this bus that was leaving, that they were trying to flee um, their area. And so having a child would allow them to do that. And they actually leave yeah. the ac- the mother of the child Behind, screaming in yeah. the street. And so. So what a, a crazy yeah. fucking twist. Yeah, yeah. Like, when that shit happened, I was like, whoa. <laughs> so the, the, I, This is not where I expected it to go. Right, the concept, I suppose, being that I you're thought, more I thought, sympathetic to the haunt. Well, I thought... I don't know if I would say more sympathetic to the haunt, but I my understanding of the film until the last like what 15 or 20 minutes or whatever was this kind of like meditation on grief and like how because one thing that i i don't know that we've mentioned specifically is that the hauntings are occurring while the couple while the members of the couple are isolated they're not for the most part experiencing these things together right one of them wakes up in the middle of the night and like kind of goes off or one uh, is out somewhere and then the other one is seeing this stuff and then, you know, like the wife comes home and is like, what's going on, you know, yeah. or like whatever. Um, so the fact that the things were happening independently to each character kind of made me think of like, you know, we're watching this couple who has lost this child in an attempt to find a better life and like a better life at what cost? Mm-hmm. How did it like 
you know, it is a hard thing for people to discuss and talk about and deal with. And so it's like they're trying to deal with it alone and like maintain the status quo as best they can, but they're independently, privately fighting with these demons or whatever. But then all of a sudden they're like, (laughs) nope, this is what's going on. These people are fucking crazy and like, not crazy, but desperate. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a crazy thing to do. Right. Well, yes, they were I, desperate. I, I, they were desperate. They made a move that you can tell they instantly felt guilt over and that it only got worse. And so now they're living with this profound guilt that it, it goes beyond grief or it's something different than just simple grief. Like yeah. you were saying. So it complicates. I mean, and and it really then it sort of shines a light on these these are asylum seekers. This is the experience of those people who are doing this, this is not an easy thing to do. You know what I mean? Like this thing that we often think and the way they kind of get treated by the government officials, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, whatever, here's your house. You know, like no understanding. Try to be one of the good ones. Yeah, try to be one of the good ones. No understanding of the level of sacrifice and and just tragedy that they, that most people would go through in that process and certainly they do and again some of it's brought on themselves and they i mean i think they the characters themselves would admit they they ultimately do they try to pay penance for it in this way um this guilt over it but at the same time it's a situation where i look at it and i'm like would i behave differently would that be you know like i hope i would i hope i wouldn't make that kind of but if i'm that desperate and if i feel like this is my last chance and in essence, they're maybe saving this girl who wouldn't have gotten on the bus if her mom hadn't been forceful enough. I don't know. What? I, I enjoyed the refugee story. I enjoyed the narrative backdrop of the film because the haunted house aspect of it is certainly tied to the pathway they took to get. To, but I'm talking about I enjoyed seeing what I have no feeling isn't maybe an accurate portrayal of how a refugee is treated in the UK and that they... Do receive you know a home and a yeah a, you know a stipend, but like at the same Dr. time it, it doesn't sound like it's a ton of money. But they're not allowed to work. They're just kind of you know on house arrest in a decent apartment. Yeah, semi. I mean, yeah. the, the electricity. Oh, I'm talking work about. I mean, this. for the notion of 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 how do we accept and house the refugees? It, I mean, it's, it's a better. Fa- it was a fascinating picture. It's a better depiction than what I feel like I've seen in general. Um, about refugees and where they're housed. In some ways, I mean, they're not at least in tents, cramped together. I mean, Certainly. like you know, those yeah. tent cities. I just, and I just like I mean, the how it's we, made of that pro- of that process. Yeah. And and if the film gets some traction on Netflix, because that's you know where you can find this one. It's a new release, just a yeah. few days ago. You said. Um, it. Did you find the horror effective? Yeah, this movie was kind of pretty scary. I I thought. They did a really good job early on when it was the people crawling in the walls. And yeah, the, you know, that, that shit was crazy. I yeah. mean, that, that stuff was, uh, yeah, it was really well done. The makeup on the the people playing the spirits. and the, mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was well done. It's not, it wasn't like straight up rip off anything else that I'd ever seen. It kind of had a unique look to it, I thought. Maybe yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I, do, I, I can't think of anything that I would directly point to and say, oh, they're trying to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there were there was a lot of scenes where, you know, stuff is happening and I could just hear Kylie sitting next to me like, mm-mm, don't like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's good horror. It, yeah, it is. And, like, I was, like, kind of like, whoa. I was kind of yeah. pretty on edge for, like, a lot of it in, in a way that a lot of horror doesn't, you know, it... it, it, it 
it made me uneasy in a actually uncomfortable way where it's like something like the babysitter when <laughs> you know john has that award like trophy thing right. go through his neck you're like oh but you're not like actually like uncomfortable or right. like disturbed by it or whatever mm -hmm. this one i was like i don't know about this guys this is i don't know i think it was a nice balance of what the film was trying to do and mm -hmm. that is place horror into this unconventional yeah um setting yeah, uh, especially for an American Netflix audience, which may not have been the intended audience, but regardless, it got picked up, and yeah, I, yeah. I I would highly recommend that you watch this film. And it's a debut feature from this director. Yeah, I was yeah. just impressed. I was trying to look into. I think it's... there's a lot of like, there's a lot of shots and things from a technical perspective in this film that I was very impressed by. It was surreal. All. All the stuff where they're in the house, and then all of a sudden they're in the water, and mm -hmm. like yeah, that, those scenes, like the yeah, there was one sequence in particular where that happens very seamlessly, in a way where I was just like, I, based on the fact that it's a debut, the fact that it just like played at Sundance, kind of disappeared, came to Netflix, even though it did do well on Sundance, and yeah. obviously probably other reasons for that too. I don't imagine at least in my mind, and also the ba mostly one set, uh, one location yeah, aspect yeah. of the screenplay, it doesn't seem like a high-budget film. No. It seems like it was made for very modest means, uh, at least what I would expect. I didn't look it up. Right. And so having that kind of assumption in my mind and then seeing some of uh, the cleverness and some of the finesse of the, the cinematography and the way that some of these sequences play out these visual tricks that are played i thought it was very clever filmmaking and very impressive uh again for what i assume was a modest budget but um so i'm glad i got on our, on our radar because yeah. uh like i said I, I recommend this one highly yeah i i think that if, i think if you really look at it and break down all of the things that you would try to quantify for what is or is not a good movie like Technically, this movie's very sound. Visually, it's compelling. It has a a good screenplay. It has it's you know it is genuinely entertaining. It's got like substance to it, but it's got like the thrills and chills that you would want from a horror film. It also has um, that thing where when there's a nice twist at the end, yeah, something you don't see coming. I bet on, I bet on I bet on repeated viewing. It'll be interesting to see how or if they, they telegraph it, anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the I most that I could say is I remember, the, you know, the, them talking about the the guilt. They were talking about it in a way that made me feel like there was more to it than just them losing or having, you know, the When the spirit die. first speaks to them, you have a debt to pay. Yes, there's, debt. there's a story that we don't exactly know it. here. Yes, that yeah. was that was the lingering. And that, fe that terminology made it feel like, oh, there's something more. Like, you lose a daughter and this ghost is saying, you owe a debt? Like, mm -hmm. well... Anyway, I don't know, but it was good. Yeah, it was it was a great film. I'm glad we we all took the opportunity to look at it, and I hope a lot of other people will because, like you said, I mean, with this being on Netflix, um, and with it being the holiday movie season, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think anybody who has an evening to spare and wants a few thrills and maybe a little bit of thought provoking mm -hmm. commentary, yeah, I think this there, is. There are two reviews on Rotten Tomatoes that I think. If these th if these things outside of our ramblings, if these concise statements don't uh, entice you to want to see this, and 
I don't think that you're really that interested in watching good movies, but uh, <laughs> Justin Chang from the Los Angeles Times says, the script's cleverest gambit is to blur our sense of what kind of movie we might be watching. A thriller about a haunted house or a portrait of the dehumanization of the refugee experience. Mm-hmm. I thought that was uh, pretty representative of what is good, what yeah. is really good about this movie. And then, love her to death, as hard as she goes at movies like Goodfellas and their overratedness. Um, lots of bold takes from this woman. Uh, she does a podcast with Paul Shear called uh, Unspooled. Amy Nicholson of Film Week, KPCC, NPR Los Angeles. An absolute knockout. We're looking, when we're looking to the horror genre to tell us stories with such emotional resonance, this film does it fantastically. And I think that that is something that sometimes can be missing from the horror genre is yeah. any kind of substance. Well, and this movie I mean, has we just it We looked at a droves. bunch of horror mo- movies last month where, and it's totally serviceable to have paper-thin characters who are mostly stereotypes. It's sort of part of the genre. It can yeah. be part of the pleasure of the genre, especially when like Scream or even The Babysitter kind of make fun of these character stereotypes. But cabin in the woods. When you pour, <laughs> when you pour some thought into it, and you actually develop the characters, you can do some pretty cool things too. And yeah. I think we totally get that here in a film like you know Get Out or yeah, I'll even say The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and and because I feel like we haven't yelled at each other enough in this half of the episode. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> are you, you going to start a cabin in the woods fight right now? No, I'm not. Oh, not okay. cabin in the woods. Right. Maybe worse. <laughs> One thing that from the very beginning of this film, like you know, early on in this film, one of the sequences that we see is them in the boat, and they're it's you know it's a shot of just like open ocean yeah. and moonlight, very dark. All these people crammed into this boat, and as the boat moves along, you start seeing these bodies on, that are kind of floating just right. beneath the surface or whatever. And it really reminded me, for some reason, like just visually. In no other way, but just visually reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And for the majority of this film, even though I was very much... Dude, in- haven't we canceled Johnny Depp talk on the podcast yet? We're no? bringing it back because he has done nothing wrong and has been falsely accused really? of things. Really? Oh, you're Team Amber, uh, you're Team Depp. You're not... There has been like a, a substantial amount of evidence to suggest that... The, not only was oh, he not an abuse we'll, partner... We'll bring was, this up on After Hours. Uh, we, we can talk more. And... But- Warner Bros. is doubling down on this shit and keeping Amber Heard in Aquaman, a trash film, and making Johnny Depp resign, which all of it I just cannot fucking wrap my mind around. Um, but oh. regardless, uh, yeah, so for a good portion of this movie, despite the fact that I was very engaged and enjoying it a great deal, I was excited after it was over to watch Curse of the Black Pearl. That's exactly what I did. Wow. Great pirate movie. What, what a way to like... P- Providing needles for our balloons today, Carlos. Okay. Well, you you may be trying to bring me down with this talk. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, specifically the first one, is a good film. I'm glad you enjoy it. It's a great film. <laughs> I, I could be swindled into watching it again someday. Perfectly but, executed pirate movie. But is this a perfectly executed fruited sour here? The Paradise Awaits, passion fruit sour ale from Evergreen uh, Brewing Company. What do we think? This beer tips uh, the balance that we talked about, I think, last week uh, between sour with that farm, yeah, with the Kent Falls, mm-hmm. which we like so much. Yeah. And, and Carlos, you said something before we said a word. 
hits you in the jaw or something like that. Tingles the jaw hinges. Yeah, tingles the jaw hinges. Mm-hmm. And a good sour, I don't know what the actual if it's balanced is. correctly, it hits you right there, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. This beer is even more sour. It, it, it has activated my entire mouth, but not in any <laughs> kind of bad way. Not like I got a big mouth full of Sour Patch Kids or something. No. That would not be, I, I wouldn't enjoy. But this I'm enjoying very, very much. The passion fruit, Maybe that's the secret ingredient yeah. here. It's firing all, on all cylinders. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like this. I was impressed by it. Like I said, when we poured it, the, the nose on it was very fruit forward. It was very exciting um, to start sipping it and have it be just that fruity yeah. as I was drinking it. And you're right, Joe. Very... Not not fruity sweet. No. Mm. No, high on the tartness mm-hmm. uh, scale, but... Nicely balanced with the fruit character, the hint of sweetness there that you just get from that. Mm-hmm. Very drinkable. Like, this is something that I would happily be throwing back on the beach as the can is advertising, right? Yeah. The can art is also super interesting because it's a cell phone, like, home screen. That's right. Which I, I don't necessarily understand. I guess maybe because it's a photo of someone in paradise and it says that you're on the office 5G Wi-Fi. So it's, uh, you're looking at the can as if you're looking at your cell phone daydreaming about when you get to clock out and go on vacation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, a lot more work had to be done Paradise to figure, to, awaits. Yeah, to figure awaits. to figure that out than I think I want out of my <laughs> But now that you're there, that makes perfect sense. Now that I'm there, it does make sense. But yeah. making me work a little too hard, Evergreen. Come on. Uh, I... I mostly agree with everything you guys say, except for that I think this beer sucks. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we just didn't argue enough over the... That would have know, been a bold oh. take. We, Whenever we mm. all agree on a film, Man. it's like, you know... Uh, it does feel like there needed to be, but you know what? This was a great film. It was a great it, I would have been surprised if either of you had come in and said, I, I been, can't stand this movie. I would have been shocked. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to like about mm. it. And <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to tee myself up for a good fight in the second half. <laughs> I think we could. I mean, we the, 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 this one we can can get into some minutia if we want. To. I know people yeah. that call this next movie a horror movie. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Are big I certainly wussies. I certainly know there are a lot of different sort of readings of the subtext of this film that I'm have been done over the years. I'm very in that. I haven't never thought about the next film hard enough to have read into any subtext, but. Just as I would have been surprised if either of you didn't like his house, I also would be surprised if you didn't like this. I, uh, this beer, Paradise Awaits, from mm-hmm. Evergreen Brewing, out of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Shouts out, Pennsylvania. Yeah, you did PA, your thing. PA. They came through. They sure uh, did. They sure I, but to go back to what Joe was saying, I, I think that, uh, and granted it was a week ago, that the Camp Falls was slightly tarter than this one is. I get a, a little I more... I think it was a little mo- moderated, but it also wasn't as fruity. It I wasn't mean, as it was sweet, kinda, I think, is what a, it is. Yeah, overall, it was a... This sorry. one's pretty fruity, and it's got a nice sweetness to it. Super well-balanced. Perfect execution on this one. I give it a light 9, strong 10. Ooh, or, or nice. Sorry, strong 9, light 10. Okay, uh, there you go. Um, That's two I, sours in a row that we really, really enjoy. I just... I, I We're just, digging those sours. As I'm drinking this... I can't think of anything that I would want different, you know? And that's always a good sign. It sure is. So put put that on the can. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a I think that's an underwhelming quote, <laughs> I think. Uh 
but I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe people would read that and be like, fuck yeah, this is the beer that I need to drink right now. <laughs> um, and be really excited about it. But uh, we've got another movie and another beer coming sure out. We are uh, going going back to a, a perennial classic. We are. We're, we're, we're really, we're dipping into a classic. We didn't, there's no great tie-in. I mean, there... We can try, but uh, but when we oh, come back, the tie into this beer was that if you're fleeing a war torn country for paradise life, awaits, paradise right? Awaits. You hope, and the UK is not exactly paradise as they find it, but that's the no. hope. You get out of there, yeah. right? I would like to live in the UK someday. That's we didn't I mean. talk about his polo shirt. Damn it! All right. <laughs> After hours. After hours. All right. Uh, an all-time classic film. When we return. For those of you keeping track, we are four states away four. from having completed our journey. It's like a across slow ballot the, count. Yeah, it's a slow ballot count. And it's getting slower and slower. We're the Nevada of beer United <laughs> States completionist podcast. A very specific Although we have, category. we have ticked off Nevada. We have ticked <laughs> off Nevada. Um, we are... We're on our roads to the Big 50, complete, right. having a beer from every state in the union. Um, and we're, we're about to get one closer. That's right. We sure are. As and per our correction at the top of the episode. That's right. And, and we're also uh, you know, undoing the misdeed of having said we were in Kansas when we were not in Kansas anymore. We were actually in Connecticut. But this time, we're going to Kansas for, Proper. for Rizzle. Yeah, yeah, this is... Contrails, American Wild with, <laughs> with Kansas Peaches. This Ooh. is from Central Standard Brewing. Mm. Uh, it was a, a limited release. This is a Say batch. Say that one more time, but slower. <laughs> Contrails? <laughs> Central Standard Brewing? What? Original yeah. Wild Ale? Oh, American Wild. American Wild yeah. Ale with, yes. with Kansas, Kansas Peaches. Kansas Peaches. <laughs> this looks special. The bottle looks fancy. It does it, look fancy. Yeah. It has a very elegant uh, label. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. And shape to the bottle, but the label is very yeah. classy. It's very Let me get it open. Stop here, posing right? it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crack that son of a bitch. <laughs> Joe coming in hot second episode because we were we were too nice to each other in the first half. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I'm I'm gonna take y'all go first. I'm taking the opposite position. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter what position. Don't even is. care. All right. The makeup was good. <laughs> Whew. Got it. That is definitely, we're more in farmhouse territory. There was a lot of words. American Wild Ale with Kansas Peaches. Another sour. Right. Another sour. So, this is a sour podcast now. Yeah, all sours all the time. Um, but whether we want to be sour in our glass or not, Wait, I don't think... Did you mention the ABV? No, I didn't. 8%. Actually. Yeah, that is pretty hefty, not isn't bad. it? No. For a sour. Mm. So we've gone up in ABV. Um, I'm the nose is interesting on this. Mm -hmm. I'm getting peaches, but I'm also like I was saying, it's a farmhouse ale or, or a wild Oof, ale. I guess I took a taste. This is interesting. <laughs> it okay. is. There's it almost is, like a, it is a, a smoky note in the nose yeah. or something. Like it's, it's complex, woody, earthy. It's, it's yeah. It's this complex. Is, this it's, is it's giving me whiny qualities. This is going to challenge our palates. While I think our 
minds in in critical acumen aren't going to be challenged all that much by talking we kind about of reverse the we're kind of flipping right yeah complicated dense film easy beer yeah easy now, film what <laughs> seems to be a very complex beer right i haven't tasted it yet i've just yeah. smelled it and um, I, I mean we're kind of dancing around it but you know carlos has already said this is a classic it, it is I a think, classic. I think indisputably it is. Yeah. I mean, nobody, even if you hate the film, you have to do, recognize... Do people hate this film? There are people. Really? I mm-hmm. don't know that I've met them, but I I have to believe that there's haters of everything that's sure. out there. Oh, yeah. So, I just, it's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about The Wizard of Oz. Ooh, Let's just say Wizard it. Wizard of Oz. And we're in Kansas now. We are. we are. I watch The Wizard of Oz almost every year when I was a kid because they would replay it on television once a year on That's network right. television. Absolutely. I think it was CBS maybe that had that contract, but it, but there was one of the big three broadcast sure. networks that would have it on once a year. And it was, it was like popcorn reserved television. You know, we would watch the wizard of Oz, whether we wanted to or we didn't, we would watch the wizard of Oz. And I don't know if a plot synopsis is even necessary to discuss The Wizard of Oz <laughs> outside of the fact that you've got a glorious Technicolor film bookended by two sepia-toned black-and-white mm-hmm. films when, she, when real life and then when she's in Oz. And um, Dorothy is uh, pursued by, oh, I forgot her real-life name, Mrs. Gribsby. Mrs. Gulch? Gulch, yeah. I think it's Gulch, right? Because her dog is getting in the garden and maybe nipped at her and takes the dog Mm -hmm. and rides off on her bicycle with her ugly face. And oh, then the... <laughs> Can you imagine that, you know, that, that is something that comes to my mind. It did as I was watching it this time. And I know it has in the past. Like what if you were in one of those roles where like the whole point is how ugly you are. You know what I mean? Oh, where... I think that it haunted her forever. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I've read an article or two over the years, not that, not, not for the show today, but right. that it, it kind of haunted her career. Margaret Hamilton. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's yeah. the actress. And Why am I trying to plot synopsize the Wizard of Oz? You don't have to. She goes to Oz. She lands on the witch. She follows the Yellow Brick Road. She meets three friends. She gets to the wizard, who it turns out is just a flim flam man. But one who's able to. Oh, uh, he's you know, smart. Part wisdom. He's and, smart. You know, he knows takes that off in the Omaha State Fair uh, balloon, uh-huh, uh-huh. never to be seen from again until I think he's reprised by our friend Jim Franco. The uh, the woman who wrote all that code for the Apollo mission for NASA's name is also Margaret Hamilton. That's oh. very confusing. I was trying to. That's interesting. I I looked her up on Wikipedia and it was a. A picture of her from 1958. So at that point, she was like already in her 50s. But I was curious what she looked like at the time of this film, and but is, I just got a bunch of pictures of the NASA woman. Sure, um, it's a classic by all estimation. It's considered by many to be one of the best films ever made, and uh, it's got certainly already gave the pedigree that I've, I've repeated viewings as a child, yeah. um, maybe a visitor too as a yeah. younger adult. And my first time to see this movie in a very long time. Yeah, it's it it is a rare film for me that has carried with me throughout my life because of what you're talking about. That it was such an integral part of my early film viewing when I was a kid, seeing it on TV. I remember watching it in school. I don't even remember the, the right. pretense for it. If it, it was, was a just safe like, movie to turn on for on a, exactly, when a substitute like, teacher was there. I, I definitely remember that. I remember seeing it. Um, I remember when the big, it, it probably happened even before then, but in the 90s when I heard about the dark side of the moon thing. Yeah. And Have you ever done that? 
I I actually went to a theater that screened it that way. Oh shit! That you know, like one of the local radio stations in Portland, Maine, did um, at something like. Oh, tell us more. Practice. What happened? I understand, but well, they set up the event. They yeah. said, you know, like we're going to show Dark Side of the Moon, or we're going to show Wizard of Oz. Yeah. We're going to play Dark Side of the Moon when the third bell chimes, or whatever it is that you got to. Yeah. However you line it up, and you and, bought tickets for this event. Yeah. Oh, and, it's and amazing. You just went and, and enjoyed it. And, I'm going to cut this out so Hybrid can do it. <laughs> I'm down. It, that, it would be fun. I've never personally done it before. I'll be the old guy in the it, back it right corner. It lines up well enough that it's fun, and and you can kind of. I mean, it, there's some stretches there where you're like, okay, what does this have to? But there are some moments where it kind of like, oh, that's it. That's interesting that yeah. uh, that that comes together like that. So you know, from that to even when I went to you know school and and was studying film, seeing it in that context. Seeing it, using it occasionally in class with students, I think only once I've actually had them watch the entire thing, but I've used clips from it over the years. It's just, it's so in so many of our minds. Mm -hmm. It's something that I can easily reference, and it doesn't matter the age of the person. They're going to know what I'm talking about. They're going to understand, like, if we want to talk about Technicolor, oh, you know when the movie goes from that black and white, dusty sepia tone to this vibrant technicolor oh the light bulb goes off they're like oh that's why we have this specific name it produced these vibrant hues that mm-hmm. to where they uh were in production meetings for a week trying to get the exact yellow of the yellow brick road yeah. and of course you can imagine this right. was filmed at the exact same time like parallel with uh, gone with the wind another technicolor achievement mm-hmm. and so th- this was a huge studio project huge budget Mm-hmm. Uh, for the time, yeah, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves had come out and mm-hmm. had proven that children's films and family films can be very, very profitable if right. done to that degree. And you know, it's it's the Wizard of Oz. I mean, I, I don't know what else <laughs> you, you, you really I mean, say. It's both easy and hard because you're you know this film is so beloved, it's so widely, and again. Uh, you know, there's things that you could maybe say about it. Oh, that, I got a couple of criticisms. Well, and I'll be excited to hear them. Carlos, what, what about you and your upbringing with your, so you know, the, you're a, you're the whippersnapper around here. The budget of this movie in today's dollars was fifty two million four hundred thirty thousand five hundred three dollars and sixty cents, um, which is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, granted, not the amount of money that people are spending on movies these days, which is really funny to think about because. Uh, it's better than most of the movies that people are spending a lot of money on these days. Well, I mean, it, it is, and, it, and would we accept a movie that looked like this now? I mean, of its time, this movie worked really oh, well. Oh, you only can look at it within that but, context. No, but that's what I'm saying. But yeah. now, like, if you didn't spend the hundreds of millions of dollars that you mm-hmm. need to to get the CGI factories, the animation for to, like, create those intense special effects... This movie that, looks better than any Marvel movie. You know, I tend to agree with you, and yet you know, if they remade this now, they It'd would be have trash. <laughs> It'd be and they, terrible. And, and they I have. They did. Of, you, no, you yeah. Raimi did you the Oz. Right. J- I never saw that one. Is that? No, I never seen? saw it either. No, Your girls terrible. might like it. But but did it look good? Did it? it, it the trailers didn't look. I good. live with an Oz girl. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not she enjoys the story. She enjoys this movie. Yeah. So any incarna- incarnation Red of Oz books. that comes out is going to get a big, big pass. The, the, the Feruza Balk one from the 80s. Oh, I'm Return sh- to Oz. Um, That's like the darker the one. Right. No, it's, it's called... Well, there's The There's a pumpkin-headed yeah. character, if yeah. I recall. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, There's the Miko album. As many times as I saw The Wizard of Oz, like Nightmare on Elm Street, I was not a big fan of Wizard of Oz. So to this viewing was about, you know what? Do I like this? Appreciate it. Find the appreciative moments. Mm -hmm. And it really begins and ends. I've got a little list, but it, the top of the list and the best scene in the entire movie is the unleashing of the flying monkeys. <laughs> Period. The flying monkeys are great. Oh, they're, they're fantastic. And, and, and the costuming of the munchkins, and I know that we, would, we couldn't make the, that portion of the movie now, although I guess... Um, they probably would. I think we could. I don't. I don't know how they. It'd be interesting to see how they would handle that because I think the the problematic thing is that that term munchkin certainly, and that that's almost become like an epithet. Sure, certainly. Yeah. But I mean, what they did at the time, you have to admire the visual. I mean, guts of the entire thing. Sure. You know the Munchkin Land. Think about that, and the mm -hmm. costumes they made, and the pitch meetings, and the sketches, and mm -hmm. what are we doing in 1939? You know, this this is. This is bizarre. Right. There's a, there's a bizarreness have, to have this movie that is incredible. No. The novel? The, no. The, right? And I understand that it's a very, very robust metaphor for the state of the world at the time, if I if that, I understand. Yeah. I, I don't know if you get a lot of that in the movie. I was looking for a little of that. Did yeah. they subversively put some of those elements in? I didn't see those. Right. But rather a straightforward child's tale with a lot of bizarre elements to it, but those are kind of fun of the things that you long for are already within you. Uh -huh. Don't you Of a fantastic life lesson? Mm -hmm. uh, the life lesson of the, the controlling interest is not all that it seems that there is a person or persons perhaps behind a curtain. Right. That's a pretty valid thing to teach children at a young age. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the unmasking of the wizard. It's one of those, you know, classic moments uh -huh. in, in film where, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Right. I mean, I, I that was w one of the earliest times that I can remember that kind of, that aspect of storytelling where you can have the trickster, the, uh -huh. the character that sort of presents himself or herself one way, but then rev gets revealed to be something altogether different. And, you know, it's... Yeah, it's and when the curtain goes back and he's trying to manipulate this weird bank of interesting dials, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, how inventive in 1939 that it, it's technology that far surpasses the audience's understanding of what he's doing with that right. apparatus. It was great. Yeah, which is why he could just be doing right. anything and <laughs> right. it works because yeah. it's like, what? No, he, what is this? I don't yeah. know. Who fucking knows? You right. got a fireball foot pedal. I hope. Because those <laughs> fireballs were incredible. Well, were great. And it's one of those things that acts as like sort of a self-critique in a way. And this is like getting critical nerdy. But just, to, you know, the way that the film kind of reveals its own artifice in that moment. And it's like all this spectacle that you've been seeing all along is put on. You know, like what we're really talking about is this simple story of characters needing each other and finding each other and needing these things. And yet we're going to dress it up in these strange costumes and have the mm -hmm. characters behave in these strange, exaggerated ways. And because it's fun <laughs> and because we all sort of get, you know, uh, swept up by it. Right. We, you know, and, and the, the wizard is a better story than there's just a guy from Omaha who happens to be kind of <laughs> clever. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a good... I mean, it is a fucking fun movie. It mm -hmm. looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, there's great song, Like, iconic songs in it. Yeah. Uh, when when Somewhere Over the Rainbow hits... You, you, At the I beginning. Re yeah. It, I, I remember always feeling like, 
oh, and it, like, like, oh, I've heard this enough. And then it starts, I'm like, fuck, this is a good song. <laughs> it's a good song. And I, she's, and Judy Garland is. Sure. And in, I mean, this All is like it. one of her classic moments. Yeah. She's got that beautiful voice and you hear it and it's recorded live, and you can just hear like the, I don't know. It, it, it and really she's sensible. Is. She's not like the crazy manic cuckoo character. No, she's no. sensible right. in, in the movie. Everyone is sensible in the movie. The only, the, there are pieces as the greats, we're calling this one of the greats or certainly one of the people, the things you stick on the top shelf of the film library for that people are A, aware of, and B, maybe should see. As distance grows between when they were made and now, it is sometimes difficult to contextualize. Mm-hmm. The Citizen Kane, it's a black and white bullshit. You know, I mean, no, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you. Yeah, I know. Um, if I tried to get my girls to watch Citizen Kane, there I wouldn't are, I'm not as enamored, and maybe that's why I didn't love the movie like many, many people that are my age do. It, I never was enamored with the, the, the three friends. The Scarecrow, the Lion, and the Tin Man. I found them to be all annoying as a child, <laughs> especially the Cowardly Lion, yeah, the cowardly which lion was probably is. hilarious in, you know, when it came out. And maybe, I, I don't know how much of that actor, you know, the audience would have been aware that that's you know, Jim Carrey. And yeah. you know, maybe, maybe I don't know. Those characters were annoying as a child, and they're annoying to me now. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, you got to have a Grinch heart to not just say, okay, let's have some fun here. See, I know I, I find the Tin Man and the Scarecrow endearing enough. Okay. I will go there with you on the Cowardly Lion. I think we're all supposed to kind of hate. Mm. But but he, he comes around and he ends up, you know, he, he redeems himself. But no, the dude's a jerk for, for no, the stick, the whole stick. Is he a jerk? Yeah. Oh, he attacks them and then he acts all like hurt about the fact that they try to, you know, push him back and and acts like, I don't know. It's just a criticism of toxic masculinity. He has yeah. to put on well, there this you bravado go. He's toxic he's masculinity. Insecure. There you go. Uh, yeah, that it's is... Way, really, well, well, way ahead really, of his time. Yeah. Uh, well, I think you're onto something there. I refuted my own point. <laughs> uh, yeah, you would have to have a Grinch heart to hate this movie. It's just... I mean, it's fun. It's... It is an enjoyable film and... Are there some kind of cringy moments with, cringy. Uh, with some of the costuming or oh, you yeah. know things like that? I mean, um, maybe sure, but like you know, just fucking for me. <laughs> like I, I, I am curious. About, the sets are impressive. I mean, incredible. you incredible. You, you see yeah. this stuff, and you're right. I mean, for the time, especially. I, mean, I said it too. There are times watching the movie where where no my computer. mind does wander, and I'm looking at the. Oh, I can see the line of that wig that they have. I can see, you know, and it, but you none can of it's see where the backdrop of the set starts. And right, stuff, you know. but none of that is distracting. Really, it's more just a testament to how many times I've seen the film that I can let my eye wander around the screen and kind of be looking at all these different aspects of it. Because again, I know, like, I almost know this film line by line. I mean, it, it feels that way as I'm watching right. it, even if I couldn't say it. Instantly, as they're saying it, yes, that is the line. That is yeah. what they say here. Yeah. My the, other criticism yeah. is the false obstacle. It happens so often in this film. Um, the witch says, I'll get them by making them fall asleep by running through poppies. And then they run through the poppies and they fall asleep. And then Glinda shows up and makes snow and they're not asleep. And it's like, okay, well, that was just designed to show us a beautiful field of poppies and the running. I mean, 
It's very filmic, very cinematic. Are you mad though? I'm angry. <laughs> I'm angry. No, but I the, thought you were. Say, I thought when you said the uh, the false uh, obstacle, you you were talking about the wizard making them go kill the witch as being like so. Because mm. did they ever really need to do that? I mean, what what did the wizard need? Why did he even need this broom? Well, he was sending them into death. He was sending them away right. to not be a nuisance. Well, was he? I believe. Do you think he's he's that malevolent a figure? I believe that was his intent. He turns you out don't to think be. He thought they would all prove themselves. But to then Willy Wonka was Willy Wonka was a prick before he was the best. That's true. This and this no, film has a lot of just a prick. Has a lot of parallels with uh, Willy Wonka, you know, and, yeah. and Alice in Wonderland. I mean, this is the idea of you know a character stumbling into this fantasy kind of world and how the rules don't work there and things are different. It's you know it's a great story template and especially for a fantasy film like this, great music. Yeah, it's it's so it's like Forrest Gump. <laughs> but, the, but the other dis- the other distancing element as we move forward in time well, is the audience's idea cuz we didn't get in a fight yet. Maybe we will here. The audience's acceptance acceptance of those common tropes, one of which was the musical on film. Yeah. The, when they break into song here, sometimes it is 100% unnecessary and, you know, there's some great songs under the yeah. uh, so, uh, somewhere over the rainbow you can't argue mm-hmm. with, but some of those were bullshit. <laughs> Follow the yellow brick road. Come on! And how many times do they sing it? And how do they learn the songs? <laughs> yeah. How does a scarecrow meet her and know all of the words? This? There how are no know rules the to this film. Okay. I mean, yeah, no you know what? This film sucks. This film sucks, and y'all so, suck for life. By the way, it. did you hear Ari Aster is remaking Wizard of Oz for oh, as man. a cable miniseries? Is yeah. he really? <laughs> I thought that could get some controversy. Yeah, well. <laughs> okay, well, we have one last chance to disagree. There has been a lot of Ari Aster talk in my personal life recently. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of manifestation going on <laughs> yeah, in your there world. Is, there is. You have a realignment coming up and a personal apolo- a public apology? Nah, no, not at all. Ari Aster's the worst. Okay. <laughs> it's a plain, boring white man and nothing interesting about him. We, we we wanted to get into Kansas Spear so bad that we lied about it last week. That's right. We were so desperate to get into Kansas that Joe's right. We just for what outright reason? Lied. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, but now we can say truthfully, we've been to Kansas and we've tasted Central Standard has, Brewings. Yeah, from uh, you know Wichita, Wichita, Kansas. You know. Well, I can't even remember those uh, Smashing Sandcastles. The second beer we had last week right. suffered because we enjoyed that Kent Falls so much. Mm-hmm. High bar. And now two fantastic sours, sour experiences in a row. They, yeah. It's it's a different sour. Central I mean, Standard Brewing's got... Hmm, what it, do you think? Th- this is, this a is a mouth puckering. Sour. This is a mouth puckering beer, but not in an off-putting way. I like it. Um, it actually... Based on the nose, I thought it was going to be more pronounced farmhouse, like because I was talking about how it was almost getting like woody or or kind of like smoky mm. notes in it. I didn't get that in the flavor so much. Um, there's definitely the fruit, but it's not the fruit element is not as pronounced here as it was on Paradise Awaits. The sourness is amped up a little bit. It, totally. Yeah, one hundred percent. It feels it's a very lively beer. I've, I've, you know, and, and complex colors is correct. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot going on in this glass. There is. Uh, I think that if you are a listener of this podcast, mm. predominantly for the movie portion of it and not the beer, not for you. Mm. But 
if you are here more for the beer or at least equal parts movie and beer, you might get... Th- I mean, this is not something that I would share with most people outside of this room. Like, I think that if just one of my friends that, you know, sure, sometimes gets excited when I have fancy beers, like a, you know, strawberry froyo or something crazy like that, mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll give me some of that. Yeah. But if I said, well... Boy, if I got something for you, I've got a, a wild ale. Yeah. Uh, they would be like, this beer sucks, dude. Why are you drinking this? <laughs> and, and I can't say that I wouldn't necessarily like disagree with them. Like, I, I like this beer. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. But just if, if you're, if the most adventurous that you get is like a Carbach or something mm-hmm. like that. You're not here. No, this is I, this is this is advanced like senior level beer drinking that's happening. Like because <laughs> it is because it is a very complicated beer, and I just think you have to have tried enough beer of varying varieties for you to get to this point where this is something that is interesting to you. Does that make sense? If you, I don't want to freak y'all out or piss y'all off, but I'm trying to learn Scotch Done. when I'm not around you. Trying to learn Scotch. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm, 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 I'm on the, I'm on the bourbon thing. Right okay. Now. Okay. There are bourbons that you get at the well. Yeah. There are bourbons that you get at the, um, $10 level. And yeah. then it goes up from there. Top yes. shelf. Scotches, top shelf. all of it. This and is top there's shelf. absolutely no reason why, uh, someone who's drinking that that's not true. I, I'm about to say something that's not true. Someone <laughs> drinking their first or fifth scotch that doesn't quite understand if they like it or not, maybe you don't get them the $200 glass. But maybe you do. Because then they go, whoa, no, I'm I, seeing more here. Yeah. And that, and you're right, Carlos. This beer is very, very, very complex. Uh-huh. Not, in, a, in a way, not that Kent State, <laughs> Kent Falls wasn't, but maybe no, no. In a way that Kent Falls wasn't. This beer's got dynamics to it and levels. Well, it's and it's, a downslide certainly, well, which is not a bad word. What it is is Paradise Awaits is Daft Punk. The Central Standard <laughs> Brewing Company is One O Tricks Point Never. Oh, you don't okay. go. Stra- I thought you were going to say Craft Punk. You don't that- go straight. You don't go straight into One O Tricks Point Never if you're interested in electronic music. It's, yeah, th- I mean that that's fair. Though then again, th- you know, to Joe's point. There are some people who they aren't ever going to get into Daft Punk, but I could show them One O Tricks Point Never, and they'll dig that. Yeah, that that's a small number, but yeah, I mean, I think Joe's right that the right person, and this would be a perfect bottle. It's not a huge bottle; it's no. like a half size bottle yeah. for one of the bigger formats. Um, Three seventy five instead of seven fifty, I guess is I probably right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a perfect bottle where like if I was with not that I have these things anymore. I'm going to start crying. But, you know, <laughs> people over to like listen to records or what? Like I would happily open it up and pour myself like five or six ounces, pour a couple other people, you guys maybe, similar amounts, and then a couple other people like an ounce. Just, oh, try this. Because I think this is the kind of thing like mm-hmm. a couple sips of this is going to impact you. Like oh, yeah. you may love it, you may hate it, but it's gonna it's gonna do something to you. You're yeah, gonna, gonna you're gonna you be right in the jaw hinges. You're either gonna say this is garbage, or you're gonna think, wow, beer can taste like this. Yeah. So that you know, I I think there's something to be said for sharing these kind of. More but you're only beers. talking about palate development. You're not talking about anyone saying 
spitting it out. This is horrible, and I can't drink it because there's any ugly taste here. Hey, if they this spit beer... in my house when I give them good beer, they're gonna you get out, buddy. I know. <laughs> this beer is incredible. Yeah. And, oh and, yeah. And it, and it opens my eyes to but the notion of where where comparison is bad. This yeah. sour ale compared to that sour ale. No, no, no. These are three different sour experiences that we've had in four beers in the last two episodes mm-hmm. that are completely different and completely almost perfect. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that this is a very good beer. I also can think of at least like three, maybe four close friends or acquaintances that if I poured them a glass of this, they would want to punch me. How many times uh, in the show could we have had this conversation? I don't feel like we're breaking new ground and having something... It's basically saying no, but the I beer snob's going to appreciate this more wild than sour territory that gets you into those more extreme. Like, you know, a hefty dessert stout isn't going to offend anybody. They may not like it, but they're, they're going to sip it and they're going to be like, oh, I get why people like but this. If it's I, like yeah. dessert in a glass. But if I, I know get... someone that has a sweet tooth and like that's something that I know about yeah. them, I'll, hang, I'll give oh, that sure. to them. No, like, yeah. I mean, dessert stouts, I'll, I will open for people all the time because I know even if they don't, it's not their bag. They're going to f- like it enough or find it interesting enough that, oh, beer can taste this kind of sweet. And, yeah. Uh, but but these are ones that I think push people's buttons more. And some people just mm. sour. I thought, deal this is incredible. Anyway. I really want to know more about this brewery. Me too. I really I mean, do. I'm excited that, that we got to try their stuff. The bottle um, size is 500 mil- milliliters, 500. by the way. Okay, That's thank interesting. You. So it's that, yeah. Two-thirds of yeah. a bomber. Yeah. Um, yeah it, oh. It, it would be, be definitely exciting to get some more Kansas beer here soon, too. Yeah. Let's get into a fight in After Hours, guys. Come on. <laughs> well, we'll, talk, we'll talk more about Curse of the Black Pearl in the After Hours. Oh, Jesus uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, in the first half, we did some high-level movie watching. In the second half, we did some high-level beer drinking. Uh, but we, as always, you know, we're interested to know what you thought about his house. Have you ever... Uh, had anything from Evergreen? This Paradise Awaits, maybe? Uh, and where do you stand on The Wizard of Oz? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you think it's overrated? Um, and, uh, you know, on a s- scale of beginner to expert, where are you as a beer drinker? Uh, tell us Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com. You can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely for free. Apple Podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. You know what the fucking deal is. Uh, Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast for $5 a month. You get a free episode every week. I might be a week behind on posting that one. I'm just realizing as I'm saying that. That's my bad. <laughs> Very sorry. Um, but, you know, what can you do? Um, doing my best here, people. Uh, and also, the Facebook is a good place, I would say, for you to tell us how much you hate Ari Aster. Um, so, find, <laughs> so find us there. You know what the deal is. You know what the vibes are. Uh, and until next time... I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't. There's no place like home? <laughs> Thank you.